Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're tuned in to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single day. Alongside our Tuesday co-host, Kevin McGuire, I'm Nate Dickinson. Our show today is brought to you by Rock Auto. Reliable selection, amazing low prices, and everything your car parts could ever need. Anything you could ever need as far as car parts go. Anywho, go to rockauto.com right now and let them know that Locked On sent you by putting Locked On in their little how did you hear about us box. We'll tell you more about Rock Auto later on in the show. But Kevin, we've got plenty to talk about in the show right now. There's all sorts of stuff going on all throughout college sports. College football is a big part of it, and you're our college football guy when it comes to the Big Ten and the Locked On Big Ten show. So what are some of your biggest takeaways here as we get into what are the biggest things going on in sports right now and what could shift in this big landscape? Well, I didn't think we were going to see the day of 16 team conferences in college sports, but that looks like it is about to change uh, probably any day now, maybe towards the end of the week. SEC making a power move, Big 12 potentially collapsing, where the Big 10 goes from here. We're going to get into it all, I'm sure. Uh, but it's just amazing to watch a college conference realignment pop up once again. And this is the, the biggest shift that we have seen in a number of years, probably since the last time we saw the Big Ten expand with Nebraska, Pac-12 getting Colorado and Utah, obviously Texas A&M and Missouri going to the SEC. Here we are again. Now the question is, what happens next? And it's something that we'll get into later on in the show. So I don't want to dive too much into it right now, Kevin. So I'll change course a little bit and get into just some of the big news of the day. We've been keeping track of all the Olympic stuff going on with the Big Ten Conference. Of course, give us a follow at Locked On Big Ten. That's Locked On Big One Zero on Twitter. And of course, Kevin's at Kevin on CFB for college football on Twitter as well. But we've been keeping track of everything going on with that team right now in the Big Ten Conference. And there was a gold medal won by the U.S. We mentioned two medals in one event for the women's side, the 4 by 100 meter freestyle. But the three gold medals won by Big Ten athletes, all for the USA team in the 4 by one men's side last night, or I guess Sunday night. We're recording here on Monday evening for Tuesday. It was something really special for the Big Ten Conference. Blake Peroni, Indiana University, class of 2018, and also graduated with me from Chesterton High School in 2014 out of Indiana, too. So I mentioned it last show. I mentioned it this one. I won't mention it anymore. A 15-time All-American NCAA champion, now a two-time gold medalist. Bo Becker at University of Minnesota, class of 2019, and Zach Apple on that relay. Indiana University 2019 as well. So something really special getting there for the USA team. We knew that there were going to be a whole lot of medals getting racked up by some of these schools' representatives, and a lot of them are going to be coming here in the pool. And they started to flex their muscle, and not even anyone from the University of Michigan in the three out of those four guys there either, Kevin. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun to keep track of everything as the tally continues to go up. So which Big Ten team has the lead right now as we're recording this? 
That's a good question. I haven't gone through and gone and done everything from uh, yesterday to check for Big Ten athletes. Uh, I'll go through the Big Ten's Twitter right now. I mean, there were two in that one event for Indiana University. Going back and again, trying to make sure, as far as what the Big Ten Conference has tweeted, I've found and I go through each individual athlete on my own too. But as far as yesterday, they only had the two that I picked up in Maggie McNeil and Katie DeLoof. And only thing that's been tweeted so far is the three and then one more for Maggie McNeil as well. So that would be three for Michigan, two coming from Maggie McNeil, two for Indiana, and then one for Minnesota as well, at least unless I'm missing something so far. But that's what the Big Ten's tweeted out. Again, I'm going to go through and look and uh, make sure that there's nothing else that I'm missing. But the conference itself is doing a really good job here of uh, keeping everyone up to date on all of the success that it's having. And you would expect it to. Yeah, it's pretty fun seeing uh, just the different medal counts from various schools. I know the SEC and the Pac-12, they're going to rack up a bunch of medals too. I know the Penn State's going to get their medals at some point. Uh, they've got some players on the volleyball teams, uh, soccer te- uh, the women's soccer team. So uh, the medals for all the Big Ten schools are probably still on the way. Uh, so we'll just uh, keep an eye on that medal count. And you're doing a great job of that. Yeah, and again, it hasn't been that hard for me. The conference does a really good job of letting us know when these guys are winning out their medals. And uh, Maggie McNeil, I do want to just give her the credit uh, for exactly what it was she won. It was gold medal in the 100-meter butterfly. And yes, that was the first person from University of Michigan swimming and diving to bring home, women swimmer, I'm sorry, first women swimmer from Michigan to bring home an individual Olympic gold in more than 50 years, according to the conference. I tweeted that out about five hours ago. That's not my research there. But again, she's been doing outstanding two medals for Michigan out of the three they have to lead the conference, then Indiana and Minnesota right behind them too. But again, 10 schools brought home medals in 2016. They're going to try to up that number as they up the number of athletes this year going to Tokyo as well. Kevin, we're going to talk a whole lot about college football coming up right here on Locked On Big Ten. We've got a lot to get into. And then later on the show, we're going to talk about our Big Ten football tiers right now. I had my own list. I didn't advise Kevin on what to do with what he did with his tiers or anything like that. I just kind of left it open-ended. But I'm excited to hear what you have to think as to where everyone's at in the conference as it stands. And we'll talk more about that later on. But first, we've got plenty of actual stuff going on instead of the stuff where we just talk about what we think is going to happen later on the big 12 may be falling apart big 10 may be a beneficiary of it and of course we've got big long-term implications to talk about too we'll get into all of it right here on locked on big 10 hey nate dickinson here with locked on big 10 betonline.ag is the place to go for any of your online sportsbook needs The baseball season is back underway. The NBA Finals are wrapping up. And of course, I know you're already looking at some of those football futures for the fall as well. Whatever your need may be, as far as sports betting goes, betonline.ag can help you make your money. Head on over to betonline.ag right now for all the best lines, all the news you need to make sure you're up to date before you put those bets in, and we'll get you some free money to start out with too. If you go to betonline.ag right now and use our promo code Locked On you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on top of whatever you put into your account that first time you put money in, just add it on for free. Thanks to the people over at BetOnline. It's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single day. Alongside our Tuesday co-host, Kevin McGuire, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're talking Big Ten 
realignment adding in people we're talking potentially people are talking way way long term about like would michigan and ohio state join the sec if they asked him but we won't get into any of that kind of stuff <laughs> let's talk about what's actually happening here kevin as again kevin mcguire joins us here on our tuesday episodes right now texas and oklahoma are out of the big 12 it looks like it's 2025 that's when the media rights expire for those two schools to officially make a move or could make a move to somewhere else if they end up joining the SEC, and that looks like it's what's going to happen here, what do you think are at least the next dominoes to fall? Because the Big 12 Conference is not the Big 12 Conference without those two teams in it. So we'll talk about what it means for the rest of college football first and the rest of all of college football in just a minute. But just for the Big 12, what are the immediate dominoes that fall as far as what they do and what's going to happen next with what could start a kind of floodgate opening here? Yeah, there are so many different possibilities right now for the Big 12. Obviously, once Oklahoma and Texas do officially leave, again, that process is now on their way. You're going to have an eight-team conference, and there's no guarantee that those eight teams are going to stay there because one or two schools could be going to looking for some options, maybe for some conference stability in the Big 10, the ACC, maybe even the Pac-12. There's an op- there's a possibility that this conference will just no longer exist as a as an entity. So I, I don't know where the Big 12 goes from here, but there's no question in my mind that it's not looking very good for the conference. Even if they expand to get their membership back up, you know, they're gonna be pulling some group of five programs. This is not the same Big 12 it ever was envisioned of being. You know, at this point in time, it has now lost half of its original membership. Big 10 already getting one of them in Nebraska, Colorado to the Pac-12, Texas A&M, Missouri were already gone and in the SEC. Now Nebraska, I'm sorry, uh, Texas and Oklahoma are on their way to the SEC. So, you know, honestly, I think this would be a good opportunity if they're going to continue to move forward with their eight teams that they have now and maybe bring in a couple other programs. I think you got to rebrand the conference entirely uh, because I don't think you can move forward carrying that Big 12 banner. It's not the Big 12 anymore. This is something just completely different. And I think we saw this with the Big East years ago when they rebranded as the American Athletic Conference. I think it can work. And, you know, what better time to do it if this is going to be your membership moving forward? But again, you have to keep the eight remaining members in place if you're going to have any of those plans unfold. And there's no guarantee that that's going to happen either. I just don't see that happening anytime soon, Kevin. These people want the money and the way that you keep the money is by staying the big 12 by staying a power five conference yes the american athletic conference is able to do it and is able to put up powerful football programs and and make a lot of money but it's just in my mind looking at what's happening now yes they, they had two teams like i said without those two squads the big 12 is not the big 12 anymore and it makes it pretty much immediately if you ask me we're no longer talking about power fives anymore this is a power four college football environment that we're dealing with now Uh, i think the big 12 though still is going to have to make those desperation calls to any other sort of power five school that might not be happy where they're at to try and pull somebody in It, it seems something that's like a pipe dream right now, something so unrealistic, but it's just, I don't see anybody in that situation giving up that money so easily. The Big East did not have a choice. The Big 12 is a football conference still. It can try to drag in football programs from other places too to try and save this before it ends up having to do that because while it can work, and I think it may end up being the right long-term plan, 
Right now in the short term, I feel like these guys are going to be greedy and try to claw into anything they can, despite what it might mean for the long term of the conference. Is it a football conference anymore, though? I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are gone. Uh, there's not a whole lot of football prestige. You know, obviously there are some schools that have had good seasons as it's a, solid it's football a conference programs. That puts, it's a conference that puts teams in the college football playoff still. But will Oklahoma they? Because Oklahoma has been the only yeah. team <laughs> and now Oklahoma is gone. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that argument might be losing some weight. But again, we have to see it what is, this conference yeah. does. Uh, you know, if Oklahoma State now runs the table, just use them as an example. If Oklahoma State runs the table, is that going to be the same kind of team that you would look at as coming out of a Big 12 as a legitimate college football team or a playoff contender the way that we have with Oklahoma? Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is because they're not going to have Oklahoma on their schedule. Well, they may have Oklahoma on their might, schedule. Yeah. Let me let me, let me me uh, rephrase that. Uh, they may have Oklahoma still on schedule. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, but, I mean, looking around the conference, obviously Iowa State's coming off a really hot run, but are they going to stay that way? I don't know. They're, that's why there is so much uncertainty with the future of the Big 12, and we need to figure out exactly what this Big 12 is going to be before we can really kind of see where the rest of the conferences are going to go. Yeah, and it's so easy to get off track and talk about so many of the other things here. We forget we're the Locked On Big Ten podcast. We're going to have actually <laughs> Locked On Big 12 host Josh Neighbors on with Andrew Wade here on our Wednesday show tomorrow. So we could talk to him about all this stuff then, and that's going to be a very interesting conversation to have with Josh. But let's talk Big Ten now, Kevin. This mm-hmm. conference has an option here to try and get its hands dirty in all of this, try to stay back as a conference that's honestly – doing pretty well on its own in both the football and the basketball side of things and the money-making in general too. But there's, at least in my opinion, I've always believed that when things are starting to change, doing nothing is the wrong thing to do. But what are you thinking as to what the Big Ten is going to do here as there's other schools in this Big 12 conference that could very well interest the Big Ten, a Kansas, a Kentucky, again, This is still a Midwest conference that loves its basketball, in my opinion, and in some areas, absolutely, more than its football does. Yeah, it's true. And I think the thing is, if you're looking from the Big Ten perspective and you're looking at the remains of the Big 12, what are the schools that are really going to add value to your, your revenue distribution, your media rights packages? Football is going to drive the revenue stream far more incrementally than basketball will. As good of a program as Kansas is, historically speaking, it would obviously be an awesome thing to see Kansas basketball uh, going up against Michigan State, Michigan, Maryland, all these really good basketball schools in the Big Ten. I would love to see it. But then there's the other side of it. You've got Kansas football. I mean, you already have Kansas in Rutgers, right? So, I mean, do you need another one? That's that's one of the big questions because I think if – Kansas and Kansas State, if you bring them in as a pair, you know, you even things out a little bit on the west side with Nebraska, I guess it could work. Uh, I guess Oklahoma State kind of falls into that same category. But I'm looking around the rest of the Big 12, and I'm not really seeing any candidates for expansion that just scream out and say, you have to take this school before somebody else gets them. So that that goes back to where is the Big 12 going to be? I mean, if they're going to sustain themselves – uh, they're going to have to keep that membership together. I don't think they're going to be able to do that because I do think that at least one of the schools is going somewhere. Uh, at least one of them could be going to the Big Ten. I'm not necessarily in favor of it just now. I, I just, I don't, I don't see anything that screams to me that says Big Ten needs to get these guys as they would if Oklahoma and Texas were available. Uh, I think that's a very big missed opportunity. If Texas and Oklahoma were available 
and the Big Ten wasn't even in that conversation, I think that's a little bit of a miss. And, and then after that, I just kind of wait and see. I mean, if for if every conference is picking up some scraps, I guess I'm along for the ride. But uh, you know, I don't think there's any need for the Big Ten to rush into any expansion just for the sake of expansion. Well, first off, there's time for this to happen. Oklahoma and Texas have just decided they're leaving the Big 12. So they're, they're kind of entering the transfer portal in a way when you when you think about right. it, kind of. So as they get into this, there's all sorts of time for them to decide if other schools say they're heading out as well. It's a whole lot of time to try and figure this out. But I think it is something where right now you don't have to do anything and don't have to rush into anything. But what if the ACC picks up one or two of these schools or the Pac-12 or, or what if one of these schools or conferences tries to kind of what would be in my head, take over the Big Ten, overtake the Big Ten and where things are going? Because if you're talking big, big picture, the Big 12 may be done now. It may have died today. But if the long picture, it seems like this is where things are going right now. And it needs to at some point be addressed. All right, where does the Big Ten stack up? SEC's number one. As long as Big Ten can be number two, then I feel like you got to be at least okay with it because if things get to that point, and we're talking way, way down the line now, it's kind of just like back to everyone being independent again. But it's just a situation where people are starting to talk to, kind of like I have, a little bit too much and too big picture still. I think it's a little bit too much to get into like who could be going where yet, like you said, but it's still fun to talk about here. And oh, absolutely. I want to talk about like kind of the experiment we have going on with Maryland and Rutgers because these teams have been in since 2014. I, I typed it in as you were talking here because I, I wanted to see for sure. That means it's been seven years so far. Oklahoma and Texas say they're not leaving until 2025 still. So that's four more years here. If the Big Ten doesn't have to make any of these decisions for another few years, I still think there's time for this experiment of trying to figure out, can the conference make Maryland and Rutgers football schools in the way that they need to be to be able to keep up with everybody else because you don't want those stragglers it's part of the reason why the sec is so dominant is because there are those schools that can bring down as far as just the average money that you're making and what everything that goes on with the finances but it's just so hard to figure out what can be done to help that especially with these schools that you're considering bringing in when by the way just by bringing them into your conference, you're breaking so much of the tradition that that school's fan base was built on. Just by deciding to take this on, you already have to deal with that kind of uphill battle on top of trying to make it a competitive football team when it's going to have to play Ohio State all the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy playing Ohio State all the time. Uh, but fortunately, you know, most of the candidates that are coming in here probably wouldn't be in Ohio State's division if we're still keeping a somewhat split division format. Again, that's that's another conversation for another time when we get to that point, I guess. But you kind of uh, speaking to the same point I'm getting at. You know, if you're going to expand, you want to make it worthwhile. And if you're going to expand, you're going to have to justify that that is that move is going to add some value to your revenue distribution because if it doesn't add extra money to the coffers of all these big 10 schools which by the way are getting some really good uh, payouts from the big 10 as it is why little that down why uh, kind of reduce that uh, potential intake expanding doesn't necessarily guarantee that your profits are going to skyrocket it might go up a little bit just by having more teams and slightly more uh, media exposure but 
again, it, it's got to be significant enough for me to suggest that this is a move that is worth taking. So again, like you said, we have time to figure this out. If we're still going on that 2025 timeline, I actually think that that's just uh, you know legal speaking right now. I think there's no way that Oklahoma and Texas aren't playing SEC games be- uh, until 2025. I think it's going to happen before that. Uh, but I just feel like there is time to figure it out, but I don't know how much time there is to figure it out. I don't think that the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten would like to know exactly what they're going to do as soon as possible, uh, whether they're going to expand or not. Well, let's talk about the other side of this as far as the money goes. As far as the timing, it's got to be assumed, or at least when you look at the correlation, the name, image, and likeness side of this may have had a big impact, I would guess had a big impact as to why this may be happening right now. I mean, this is a business now. College football is a business in the same way that the NFL is a business in a way because we have players making millions of dollars. It's going to open up to even more money, but we are going to have athletes on the college football stage making seven figures immediately. That's going to happen. So when you think about what that means and what that kind of impact has usually meant for how sports organization works, I could see like way, way down the line, this ending up being like some sort of major and minor league college system where you have the biggest schools playing in some sort of like NFL sized or MLB sized league of, if you think about it in both football and basketball, what would be about 30, 34, 35 teams, if you're getting into what maybe the skinniest and skinniest of what's left on the bone with blue bloods are. It seems like if you're getting into what really, really happens way, way down the road, that's kind of where we're headed. If this money ends up unregulated, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing if it does, I honestly may be all for it. I think what we're seeing is the haves and the have nots. They've always existed in college sports, but the haves are getting a little bit more as the years go by. And now as the name, image, and likeness and these potential realignment changes that we're seeing, that'll really add value to that name, image, and likeness for a number of schools. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas players now getting a chance to expose themselves to an SEC fervent fan base or a community. That's pretty valuable as far as I'm concerned. So I I think there's going to be a lot of really good deals for some of those players that are going to be joining the SEC and getting that extra exposure. It's going to be pretty fascinating to watch. Um, I'm still kind of in favor of these players capitalizing on that to the best that they can. But I do think you're right. I mean, if you look way down the line uh, where I don't know if we'll necessarily see uh, the breakdown of the entire NCAA model, although I wouldn't be opposed to that either. But I just feel as though... Uh, the power conferences are going to remain in such high power that they're going to drive where this sport goes from here for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is one thing that maybe th- this kind of structure has going for it is that these conferences right now are still kind of working adversarially. They're not ready to all come together yet. But if the schools decide that they are ready to do that, that's when the conferences may not have a choice. But that that's, again way, way down the road, but maybe it isn't. Because again, we saw the Big 12 possibly start to crumble here today, and who knows what happens here in the near, near future. But it all happened in kind of an uh, unexpected way. It wasn't that long ago that this wasn't something we were talking about at all, Kevin. That's maybe, I I don't know if it's not the scariest part of it, the most surprising part of all of this is how quickly it's all happened. Because this wasn't something that was on people's radar, uh, I don't think, all that long ago. 
So the Big 12 has always been kind of on shaky ground. Uh, just go back to when Nebraska and Colorado left, Texas A&M and Missouri left. We knew that the Big 12 was fractured, but what we didn't know was what was going to be the wrecking ball that really brings it down. Texas and Oklahoma is that wrecking ball. Yeah, it, it's but it wasn't it wasn't like it was like this wasn't I guess I don't know how it would build up this kind of news if it leaks out it becomes big news right away but it happened it seemed so quickly that we got this specific thing and then they were saying hey we are actually out we are out of here I mean it doesn't seem like it happens that quickly all the time and it has me partly thinking that it has to be something with the money these players are going to be raking, making right now it's a money game really is what I'm saying the money's shifting so other things are starting to shift too. And I can't imagine that this is the end of it, even for right now. I have to think that other Big 12 schools are assessing things and trying to figure out, like you said, just like the Big 10 is, they even more so. They need to at least, even if they don't know what the future holds, they need to know what their plan is. And because honestly, if you start letting yourself fall behind here, there's only so many spots left in the other conferences that, are going to be willing to accept you. You have to be ready to go. So uh, I think that as far as what all the other conferences may do, we may have to wait a little bit. But as far as the Big 12, this may start to crumble quickly, quickly, at least in my head. Yeah, every university president in the Big 12 has to be putting together their plan A, plan B, plan C, because they don't know exactly what's going to happen. And on the flip side, the commissioners of these conferences, including Kevin Warren of the Big 10, has to start evaluating all the potential scenarios. Again, whether they expand or not, if they do expand, how many schools do they feel like they uh, should be going out and getting? Uh, and where are those schools going to come from? Is it just going to be those Big 12 schools? Is there going to be a chance to maybe pull somebody out of the ACC I don't think it comes to that, but again, that's what these commissioners are there for. They need to get all the information. They need to get, make all the best possible decisions on behalf of their entire conference. And you know, the presidents of those universities have to be doing their due diligence as well because it ultimately comes down to what they decide. Right. Well, it's a whole lot to get into, and we've got plenty more time to talk about it again. We're going to have Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12 on, on tomorrow's show with Andrew Wade to discuss things more. But we'll have, of course, plenty more time to talk about all of this as it unfolds too, Kevin. So I know this won't be the last time we discuss what's going on in college sports because it's going to be one of those big shifts where like, we're talking about our kids, about remember when this, this, and this was how college sports worked. It's one of those kind of moments that we may be getting into right now. But up next, we've got a whole lot more stuff to get into with just talking about what we think is going to happen on the gridiron this fall in the Big Ten. We're going to real quickly before we go on Locked On Big Ten, get into our tiers on the football field going into the season. We're going to talk about it with Kevin McGuire here from Locked On Nittany Lions in just a minute right here on Locked On Big Ten. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten. Well, it's that time of year when you want to go out and take the car for a cruise, but you never want anything to go wrong when you're trying to relax out there on the road. So go on over to rockauto.com and make sure that you're getting all the parts that you may need for a repair or just an upgrade on your car at the best price and with the easiest route to getting it done, too. Rock Auto has everything that you might need for your car. They can make sure that the part that you're getting is the perfect part exactly that you need. And they cut out the middleman of either the dealership or the part shop that can upcharge you quite a bit. You'll get the best prices and it delivered to your front door 
right there at rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com, and if you end up using the service, make sure you let them know that you heard from us by hitting Locked On in their little How Did You Hear About Us box. Welcome back in Locked On Big Ten. Alongside our Tuesday host, Kevin McGuire, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're talking about the Big Ten football Right now, at least, we talked about what it could be in the future with everything going on in college sports in our last segment. Right now, we're going to talk about this fall, though. And I just kind of reached out to Kevin earlier and asked or told him, hey, we're going to do like a tears thing at the end of this show. Just talk about like where you think Big Ten teams are right now. So I have my list. You have your list. And we talked about before we got on. And I'm going to preface it with that because I don't want to talk about it a whole lot right now. But Ohio State's on top. And we're going to talk about everybody else after that. That's fine with me. I, like I said, uh, <laughs> I was a little surprised when I put this together. I didn't expect Ohio State to be so high, but yeah, here they are. The Ohio State is pretty much on their own level right now. I think, I think most people can agree with that. I don't want to get cute with it. I don't want to try to say that there's another team who might be able to rise to that level this season, even if they're able to knock Ohio State off. And that's actually my next tier. My tier two, I called teams that can beat Ohio State because even if they're like, there's, you'll see my third tier, you might think those teams are a little bit better. Uh, I just got teams that could beat Ohio State next because I think that's honestly better than f- finishing higher in the conference if you can beat Buckeyes. Especially if you're in the Big Ten East. If you can beat Ohio State, you yeah. got that head-to-head tiebreaker in your favor. And then uh, who, it could, it, that could be a game changer for the way the Big Ten plays out. Not necessarily for Ohio State's playoff chances, though. They think they could afford to lose a game probably. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm sort of with you. I think my next tier... I don't know if I necessarily defined it as teams that could beat Ohio State, but I kind of uh, classify them as teams that could play for a Big Ten championship. I, I think uh-huh. that's probably a fair way to say, and that kind of covers both divisions. You want me to go through them real yes. quick? Yeah. All right. Well, I've got three teams that I jot down immediately. I just stuck in the, the Big Ten West. I put Wisconsin and Iowa there because I do feel like those are probably the two best teams coming into the season. And I threw Penn State in there because I don't think they beat Ohio State, but it's a team that if some breaks go their way, I think they're going to have a rebound year. And I think they, they could play themselves into the Big Ten championship picture. Uh, again, they're not going to beat Ohio State, I don't think. But if, if they get some breaks, they're that kind of a caliber of a team. I kind of wipe out what happened last year. And um, I, I think I'll go with the track right there that suggests that Penn State is a team that could play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Maybe that's how I'll classify it. These are teams that could play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. All right. Well, my tier, I, again, I did define it just second tier is just teams that could beat Ohio State. And I, I think really right now I have Penn State on there and I have Wisconsin there too, just because it would be at the end of that year at the Big Ten title game. And and I want to see Ohio State at least get a little bit of a challenge there and that game in Indianapolis at some point. But I, I again feel hesitant even calling it that. Ohio State's a 12-0 team until some team proves us otherwise. I feel like the Buckeyes have earned that respect where right now, at least with the two of us, we can't assume any sort of losses with this team. But as far as that second tier, I have Penn State and Wisconsin right there. My third tier is teams that could feel good at the end of the year, whether that's teams that are feeling good right now or teams that are trying to get back to feeling good about where they're at. I I feel like the teams that could feel good at the end of the year, you have Iowa, which is already feeling pretty good. You have Northwestern, which is, again, optimistic going into this season. Indiana, a team that could be feeling good at the end of the year. And then I have Minnesota, too, as kind of that bounce-back candidate for a team that was under 500 last season that I think could be more than just improving in wins and losses. But again, just kind of where they think the program is at, be feeling a lot better than where they were at the end of the 2020 season right now. That's my third tier. Just teams that I think can feel like 
at the end of the season that they're on the right track and at least a few steps down it. So if my second tier is teams that I see playing in a New Year's Six bowl game, my next tier is going to be New Year's Day bowl game because, you know, yeah. bowl games like Outback Bowl, Citrus Bowl. So we're just going down the uh, the pecking order. And <laughs> I'm, I've got a couple teams in this tier that you just mentioned. I, I've got Minnesota and Indiana both in that kind of a level. Uh, I would throw Northwestern into that conversation because I feel like uh, Pat Fitzgerald's been doing a pretty consistent job. I mean, two out of the last three Big Ten championship game appearances, i got to respect that. I don't respect right. it enough for a New Year's Six Bowl game. But, yeah, you could be in an Outback Bowl or a Citrus Bowl. And I'm going to throw Michigan in there because I think Michigan could potentially be a team that kind of flies under the radar. They're, they're getting no hype at all coming into the season. Maybe that's just uh, having seen enough years under Jim Harbaugh. But I do think that there is enough talent there where they can play some good football. Uh, and if they get a couple things to go their way early on, they can play themselves into a better position at the end of the season. I think it's a team that could play well with Penn State. Uh, I think we've seen that the last couple of years for the most part. And I think that they could play in a New Year's Day bowl game. So I'm going to lump them in with that tier as well. I already had Iowa in my New Year's Six Bowl tier. So uh, I can't go with you on that one. Well, see, I didn't have Michigan in that tier. I had Michigan down in my fourth tier. And be it's because I think they need to do what I I've titled my fourth tier and just try and get a foothold. These teams just really have been doing maybe little things in the conference for the past few years. They make blips on the radar every once in a while, but these are the teams that I think could be the candidates to be like this year's Indiana of last year or Minnesota of two years ago. The, the team that could really start to try and string a couple of things together. So at least maybe they have a shot at moving up in the conference a little bit. I have Michigan right now in that category. That's really kind of just more the Wolverine standard than where I really think that they are in the conference. Uh, alongside them, this is my biggest tier. Nebraska, Purdue, Maryland, and Rutgers, too, is where I have teams that I think are just trying to find something to at least get some momentum going and, and at least do a little bit better than like have aspirations of making a bowl game. That's a fair way of saying it. I think that's a pretty good summary there. I will say I've got two more tiers remaining. This next tier is the biggest one. And it's kind of the, uh, the the teams you better be prepared to play, but you can probably assume that you may win this game. Uh, and I'm going to throw Maryland, Purdue, uh, Nebraska in this mix. I had Rutgers here. But I think I might move him down. But I think Rutgers could be kind of floating in between my last two tiers here. Because I, mm -hmm. I do think that Greg Schiano has something working. And he's got some momentum there. I just think they're so far away from being a team that you can think that you're going to have a challenge against for the most part. I think you can assume that you're probably going to win that game. But they a year from now, they could very well move into this year. But you know, I think Maryland can be a pesky team. I think Purdue could potentially be a pesky team. you got to be ready to play them. And Nebraska... I don't know what to make of Nebraska, but I don't know where else to put them right now. <laughs> so I feel like this is probably the best category I could put them in. I don't see them playing on New Year's Day, uh, but I don't see them being an absolute train wreck. So I feel like this is probably the safest plot for them in my tiers. Yeah, and then I believe we both have this very bottom tier, the the tier that I called the at least Brett Bielema is here tier. Uh, we have Illinois and Michigan State down there right now. Um, a couple of schools that really, if you're asking me, just are looking to get something going and are at this point throwing anything up against the wall to try and figure it out. Uh, it, it's the bottom of the conference right now. Michigan State, I think, has a little bit of something where, like, obviously being able to beat Michigan is a big deal. So 
you know, Mel Tucker maybe have a, a little bit more of a leash there, but it's in my opinion, those two schools. And it was the same thing with the media polls that media days as well, where those are seemingly the bottom of the barrel of this conference. At least that's the opinion. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot to look forward to if you're a Michigan State fan, unfortunately, this upcoming season. Uh, and I said last week that I was looking forward to seeing what Brett Bielema does at Illinois. I still am. I just don't think there's nearly enough to look forward to this particular season. I think they'll be more competitive in some games, but there's still a long way to go. So I think for right now, Illinois has nowhere to move but up. But right now, I have to have them in my bottom tier. I think it's going to be a long year. But I'm looking forward to see what Brett Bielma does. I want to see if he's able to build something for the first time in his coaching career. I wish him all the best of luck because he's frankly going to need it. Yeah, yeah. It's just something where, like I said, those teams are just trying to find something that sticks. And Brett Bielma's a guy that is usually a good place to start, or at least has a track record where he could get it done too. So we'll see what happens long-term with those schools, but not trying to do anything really right now. That's our look at the tiers right now in Big Ten football, something we wanted to do just real quick to wrap up the program here today. It went, well, uh, a little longer than we may have liked. Like 10 minutes is maybe too long to just hear us talk about this kind of stuff, Kev. But hey, we'll be back at it next week too. On Tuesday, every single time here on Locked On Big Ten, Kevin McGuire is at Kevin on CFB on Twitter. I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports. Locked On Big Ten is at Locked On Big One Zero. And of course, follow wherever you're listening to your podcasts to the Locked On Big Ten podcast and Locked On Nittany Lions. What's the Twitter handle over there for the podcast too, Kev? It is just Locked On Nittany. Locked On Nittany on Twitter for all the information that fills in the cracks in between episodes. But we got them for you every single day on the Big Ten here on Penn State over at Kevin's Pod. And of course, we're both always tweeting about sports too. So give us a follow as well. Until next week with Kevin and until tomorrow when we will have Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12 on to talk about all this stuff again probably. And Andrew Wade's going to join as well to co-host too. This has been Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every day.